Lord God, may this, your word, be among us. May we learn from it. May these red letters not be simply uh, lines and squiggles on a page, but Lord God, a reason to live. In your son's name we pray, amen. So we've been studying the red letter challenge here at Redeemer Lutheran Church. Uh, This is uh, week number six, uh, and uh, we started with an introduction, and then we got into being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And so this is the author. He, he put these in these orders. So today we're at the very uh, end of this journey here going into what does it mean to go. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25 in the red letters. Uh, interesting enough is the last three weeks we've been in Matthew 25 and I've actually been going backwards. So today, Matthew 25, verse 1, if you would read this with me. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now you're, I've got your attention, right? We got ten young women hanging around some one guy. Do I have your attention yet? Do I have your attention? And you're like, what are we going to do here in church talking about 10 young women hanging around one guy? And you're like, I don't know where you're going with this, but I like it already. All right? Maybe. All right? So, reading the Word of God, we got to put this into context. Into context because um, nowadays things are backwards. You get, do you understand that, ladies? Y'all are backwards. From the word of God. All right? So nowadays, you work with a couple and you say, okay, when's your wedding date? And so he generally sitting, looks at her and says, when is our wedding? And you respond, it's on, do you guys know when you were married? So what day were you married? That didn't sound too happy. Just want to make sure everything is okay. And so, uh, nowadays, she picks the date, she picks the place, she picks the pastor or officiant, and what do you do, guys? Nod your head, yes, dear. Whatever you want, all right. See how she trained him even now? That's, that's a good thing to, to, to value, right? So that dad is well-trained. That's not how you do it biblically. A, a wedding biblically is that the groom doesn't tell her when he's coming. Doesn't tell her when the wedding is. You have to be ready. Do you like that? You're not in control. He comes whenever he's ready. Generally, he prepares everything. And then he, he comes along with this huge entourage. And you can hear him coming a mile away uh, because everyone's singing and dancing. He comes to your house with all this man fair. He's like, I got ready everything. We're going to have a great life together. Hey, I'm re-. You're like, I'm not ready. You're ready. When the bridegroom comes, you're ready, and you go off, and literally you say goodbye to your, to your family, to your home, and you go live with his parents. 
this is not getting any happier, is it? You go live with his parents and you become a family in that. Uh, and so you start your new life uh, because he has come to get his bride. And so we take a look at the story, and the story uh, has a lot of illustrations from marriage, but also it has illustrations uh, for, for what Jesus is trying to, to tell us. He's trying to say that, that in the last days, he's not going to necessarily announce what day he's coming. So the bride is the church, and so the bride is, is, is going to get ready as much as it can for his return. And he says that there are ten virgins, there's ten young, ten young girls, ten young girls who are, are, are ready to go off with him. Five, five are, are wise and five are not wise. He says five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but not take any oil with them. How are you going to see without oil? Guys, there's no electricity. Hasn't been invented yet. All right? You burn things in order to see things. All right? It's a good old-fashioned way. The wise, however, took uh, oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long way in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. That doesn't make sense. Let me outline it for you. He doesn't tell you when he's coming, and even when he thinks he's coming, he can sit there and have you wait longer. It's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus came and says, I'm going to come again, and when I come again, I'm going to take all of you up, and all of this is going to be done. And after 2,000 years, there is a culture now, even in churches, when, Lord, when will you come back? We're sick and tired of going through what we're going through, the sickness, the cancers, the death. We cannot stand to see it anymore. We can't stand to see one brother fight against another brother, the killing that goes along right on the TV, and our kids are seeing this. Lord, when will you come? When are you going to get here? And after a couple of years, Lord, you're never coming back, are you? Go further back, and, and Lord, not even real. You won't even answer this prayer. I don't even want to know if you're coming back. And so the struggle is, and this is that five, five are waiting for him, and they're trying to get ready, and five are ready, and they're ready for the bridegroom. He doesn't come. Five are still ready, five are not. Half are ready, half are not. Uh, and so the, finally the, the groom comes, and he comes and gets his bride, but five are, are, are just kind of like, yeah, I, I really wasn't ready for you to, to, to come back, and, and five go with him. And they go in because what he does is prepare a banquet, and there's a banquet, and finally he closes the doors, and the five come and says, okay, now we're ready. Now we're ready for you. And Jesus outright says in, in this account, but he answered, truly I say to you, I, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. 
Uh, and that's not the only time Jesus says this exact thing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So I, I got to ask a, a couple of things. Uh, because Minnesota, um, it's a little weird, uh, but uh, y'all are a lot like um, a lot of places around the United States. Uh, some of you are looking forward to something that happens on turf uh, that happens in uh, September, October, November, and if we're lucky, it happens in January. If the Vikings... Never win another Super Bowl before Jesus returns. Are you okay with Jesus returning? Three people are actually agreeing that. The rest of you are saying, how dare you? We have hope in the... Are you guys okay with the Vikings not winning another Super Bowl before Jesus returns? At least we're honest. Someone did say no. Uh, okay, and playing right now, the Twins. Some of you are Twins fans. I can't figure that out right now. Uh, but the Twins, some of you guys are Twins fans. If the Twins never win a World Series before Jesus returns, are you okay with that? You're going to be ready. It sounds like the Twins really, it's the Vikings you guys are really concerned about, right? Okay, now, the, the, the question uh, taking uh, on that, uh, we're a little sketchy on, on that kind of stuff. Are you ready for Jesus to return? We're good? Jesus says, before I return, the church is to help the poor, take care of those who are sick, visit those in prison. Uh, we are to, to help others. Are we ready as a church for Jesus to return? Are we ready? That's a harder thing to, to, to respond to. Because as a church body, we understand that if we're not ready for Jesus to return, maybe there's something deep down inside each one of us that says we are not ready for Jesus to return again. We still have work to do. And so as an illustration, I, I wanted to, to um, uh, point something out this morning to you guys. Uh, and so I, I, I didn't know exactly what to do uh, with this. I know I wanted to do it. I saw it in my head. And, of course, I thought, theologically, it makes a lot of sense. So I asked someone to bring in a sledgehammer for you guys this morning. And i got to be careful, because in here I have some peanuts. And my illustration at first was, okay, the church is like a peanut. If I take a sledgehammer and crack it open, what do I get? If I take a peanut and crack it open with a sledgehammer, and the peanut is the church, what do I get? A bunch of nuts. I got to be careful with that. So I, I began to wonder, um, it, as an illustration, would you guys be okay with me taking a sledgehammer to some poor peanuts to make you guys get into the idea that, man, things can really happen around here? 
Would you be okay with me taking a sledgehammer and me taking and say, okay, I think I can hit that. I think I can go square on the head. And some of you guys are leaning back saying, I don't want to see what this, because I did it first service and was just fine. So if I take a sledgehammer and just say, you know what? I'm going to see what happens with this. Now, if I take a, a, a sledgehammer to some peanuts, is that what this sledgehammer is designed for? So we're like, yeah. <laughs> Come to my house. <laughs> All right? It's not. This sledgehammer was not designed and built in order to crack open peanuts. It was designed for something uh, different. So the question as a church body, as, as a group of, of believers, and, and can you feed the homeless all by yourself? Yes. The question of why do we even try? Knowing full well that each one of us, by ourselves, cannot do much in this world. And then the illustration of what if God used us as his hands and his feet to look after those who are not whole, to look after those who are literally feeling like they're falling to pieces. I heard a, a pastor, uh, he spoke one time, and it was very vivid to me. It was, it was beautiful. He says, he says um, someone asked him about Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. All the king's horses and all the king's men. And he was very right. In order for you to be whole again, you need the king of kings, the lord of lords, Someone who's not a fairy tale. And so as a church body, as we wait for Jesus and we say we are not ready for him to return, that would be absolutely correct. As a church body, to allow Jesus to work through our hands and through our feet. To take care of both those in here and those in our community and those in the world. Isn't that what true power is? Not producing from our own hands, but allowing the Lord to magnify who we are and what we have. And so as we go away from here, don't rely on only your brute force. What you think is your strength, rely on him. Rely on his word. The stories of him taking some, some small fish and, and bread and feeding a multitude of people and him taking his hands and looking at his feet and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then, and then saying, okay, to you and to me as forgiven, chosen people, for him saying at the end of our mission statement, him saying, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, behold, The Lord can do great things through us. As we are waiting, we don't wait asleep. 
we say, Lord, we understand you are coming and we have a great responsibility as your believers because we believe that you can do things through us that change this community for you and for your glory. Lord, would you work through our hands and the feet? Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we... Uh, Lord God, if we think we can do... Uh, great things, Lord, without you. Lord God, yeah, we are nuts. We are out of our mind. Help us see, man, you, you make the plants grow. You provide for us. You uh, give us drink. You are the one uh, in, in who we look to. Lord God, sometimes that is difficult because we don't understand what you're doing. We don't understand what in the world is, is happening around us. And we struggle with that, Lord. Oh, God, through the midst of that, may we as a congregation come together even more to say, Lord God, what do you want to see happen? And as a congregation, as a group, an assembly of people say, Lord God, how can we provide for others in what we have and what we can do? Lord God, this congregation could do great and mighty things if we simply ask you, what do you want to happen in your creation? How can we serve you today? In your son's name we pray. Amen. If you would, please rise.